Well, we can't break tradition. Hi, y'all. <laughs> South Carolina's better. <laughs> that Charles, <laughs> that, that. <laughs> that Charlestonian drop is just about gone out of me. Being in North Carolina as long as we have. Um, <clears throat> I just want to share with you a little bit this morning. Um, maybe we won't go too late, too much over. Um, but let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you so much for today. Father, thank you for the beautiful sunshine that you've given us this morning. Father, thank you that we're able to be in your house, Father, and to worship together. Father, help us to have our minds and our ears and our hearts open, Father, to the songs, to the skits, and to the testimonies. Heavenly Father, I just pray that everyone will see you and not me. Father, I just ask that you stand before me, dear God. And Father, that you just lead these next few minutes of the service as you have led the service up to now. And Jesus, we love you. Father, our theme this morning has been about a story. And dear God, we have a story to share. And we have a story to tell. Father God, help us to be bold and courage. And Father, just help us to love each other the way that you love us. As we ask in thy blessed holy name. Amen. Um, <clears throat> the slides this morning um, are just um, going to kind of guide us through um, what we're going to be talking about. Um, the first slide is our WMU um, Focus Sunday, and that is today, and we're glad each of you are here. And the theme for today is The Story Lives On. Um, I just want to mention the different age-level organizations in our WMU. Um, we have Mission Friends, which is from babies to kindergartens, and that provides the building blocks of faith and a basic awareness that God loves everybody. Um, so even as preschoolers, they can learn that God loves me, God loves you, um, and they can sing songs. The GAs, which is the Girls in Action, are grades one through six. And through GAs, the girls learn to pray. Uh, they learn to pray for, they learn about, and to give to, and to do mission work. And it's important that we start teaching our young people, to, our children, to do the mission work. Um, because if we don't set the example before them, then they will not have an example to follow. And of course, the GAs have lots of fun, too. The RAs, which is the Royal Ambassadors, it's an organization for boys, and that's grades one through six. And they get to do hands-on activities that encourage spiritual growth. They uh, have games and sports, and they, do, they build their little race cars and everything. So, and it's also a mentoring relationship with the RA leaders. Um, the men that lead the RAs have an opportunity to mentor those boys, and that's very important. Um, and this way, they become a faith-based brotherhood. ACTEENS is an organization for the girls ages 12 through 17 or in grades 7 through 12. Through ACTEENS, the teenage girls have opportunities to grow in their relationship with God and their peers. They learn to look beyond themselves and become actively involved in missions and ministry. And we all know if we've had acting, if we've had youth in our home, it's always me, 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 you know. And that's just part of growing up, you know. Some of us still get stuck there, but uh, it's important for us to look beyond ourselves, and that's what Act Teens is all about, and to help them to be get, become involved in ministry and missions. 
Women on Mission, that's the adult organization. The ladies have the opportunity to participate in missions and ministries that enable them to experience a variety of ways to serve Christ. Ultimately, the purpose of WMU activities is that every person has the opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel. We have two groups. We have an older group that meets once a month on Wednesday night, and then we have a younger group that meets on every other Wednesday night for Bible study. The objectives of WMU are to pray for missions, to engage in mission action and witnessing, to learn about missions, support missions, develop spiritually toward a missions lifestyle, and to participate in the work of the church and the denomination. And I've just shared this brief information this morning just to kind of give you an idea that there is a place um, for anyone that wants to be involved in missions. And the men also have, um, you know, their organization as well. All right, we're going to talk about the story lives on. What story are we talking about? We're talking about the story of Jesus Christ um, and how that story is going to live on from when Jesus was on the earth all the way through our lives. The great, in the Great Commission, Jesus gives us a commandment in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And this story of how the Southern Baptist Mission work was started. Uh, Matthew 28, 19. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus te- tells us to go. We are to go. We're to make disciples. And we are to baptize. And, you know, throughout God's word, Jesus gives us a lot of his promises. And there is definitely a promise um, in here. He says um, that he will be with us, and that's in verse 20. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Isn't that a beautiful promise? He is with us. He is with us always. Even when we have bad days, even when we have days of the uglies oozing out of us. And I don't know about y'all. Y'all can't fire me, can you? <laughs> yeah. uh, but even when we're even when we have bad days and we are ugly sometimes sometimes it's our actions sometimes it's our attitudes you know everyone sins it doesn't matter maybe someone like my kids will say and herbert will say well you just think you're perfect no you just don't see my sin my sin might be a negative attitude that day or i might be just really mad and want to smack you you know that that's not a good attitude you know that's That's when the ugly's oozing out of us. But you know what? Jesus says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And he's with us until we die and we cross over. And we're going to be face to face with him. And then we're going to be with him eternity, eternal. Um, Our Focus Sunday scripture, as you can tell, is going to be Acts 4, 12 through 20. When when this started, y'all, I was just so upset. I was sitting in the pew and I was just smacking my feet. And I thought, how dare him? How dare him? Herbert was preaching on these scriptures. These were our scriptures. <laughs> he wasn't supposed to have these scriptures. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, Lord, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What do you want? What do you want? And then, you know, I talked with Herbert. Y'all wouldn't believe some of the conversations we have. But after church, we hadn't even got out of church. And I said, I can't believe it. He said, what? I said, you're preaching on the scripture that we're supposed to use for focus, focus Sunday. Well, you know, he can be real kind and gentle, and I get all hyper. He says, well, maybe the Lord has something he wants us to hear as a church twice. Maybe there's something in these scriptures that he wants us as individuals to hear twice. So that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm not going to take as long as he did because he took how many Sundays? (laughs) So (laughs) I love my husband. (laughs) 
But anyway, I'm just going to briefly talk about these scriptures because I don't want, I don't want to go over everything that he has gone over, and he did such an awesome job um, with those scriptures. So uh, we're just going to look briefly at them. We find out that the scriptures in chapter 4 are a, begin, or a continuation of chapter 3. And in chapter 3 of Acts, it talks about that the crippled beggar is healed. Okay? And Peter and John healed. All right? In Jesus' power. Okay? So now we find out that the Sanhedrins are mad and they're upset about this. So, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The very first thing that we need to realize is that salvation is only through who? Jesus Christ. Not an idol. Not a man-made religion. Not a little statue. Nothing. The only way to salvation is through Jesus Christ. There's no reason for us to compromise. You know, a lot of times we'll back down when we're talking with someone when they believe something different than we do. If they're bold enough to speak what they believe, then we need to be bold enough to speak what we believe. <clears throat> the word they in chapter 13, in verse 13, excuse me, when they, those are the Sanhedrins, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They refers to the Sanhedrins. They were the religious leaders of that time. They saw the courage of Peter and John. Do people see courage in us? Do we have the courage to tell the message of Jesus, the message of salvation, forgiveness? The Sanhedrins knew that Peter and John were ordinary men. They had not been trained in the religious schools, but they saw something. So they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They saw something in each one of them. What do people see in us? Do they see Jesus Christ in us every day, or do they see us when the ugly's oozing out? And sometimes for me, they see me when the ugly is oozing out. But you know what? I have a father that I can go to and ask forgiveness. And then I have a mouth that I can go to and ask forgiveness from another person when I have wronged someone or have not acted the way I should act. They had been with Jesus. So do others see Jesus in you and me? Jesus taught his disciples while they were with him on earth those three years. Therefore, the t disciples were Christ taught. Are we Christ taught? Is our faith and our religion based on what people tell us? And there is nothing wrong with pastors that are grounded in the gospel. There's nothing wrong with men and women who do Bible studies that are grounded in the gospel. There's nothing wrong with that. But you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to be Christ taught. And not always depend on what someone else says. Verse 14. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Well, they couldn't deny it. It's just like I'm standing here seeing you. I can't deny that you're here. <clears throat> so, I mean, there wasn't anything that they could do. They had seen it with their own eyes. Verse 15. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. They had to come up with a plan. They had to get these men to stop. They were talking about something that they did not believe in. See, the Sanhedrins didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in eternal life. They had to stop this because they were proclaiming. They were proclaiming that this dead man is living now. And they had to come up with a plan. We've got to stop this. We have got to stop them. Verse 16. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have been 
they have performed a notable sign, and we can't deny it. And they couldn't. There was no way. <clears throat> because they had healed the crippled man, and they knew that the crippled man had been crippled, and now he was walking, and he wasn't crippled. You know, they couldn't deny it. The notable sign that they're talking about, see, they won't even use the word miracle, but it was an evidence that Jesus Christ was alive and at work in the church by the Holy Spirit. Verse 17. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer in anyone's name. You know, Satan has tried to silence God's people here. And he still tries to silence Christians today. And I want to read, um, <clears throat> it says that, uh, this is a quote from Warren Wearsby. It says, sadly, too many Christians have become silent witnesses today. Are we a silent witness? Am I a silent witness? Are you a silent witness? We're going to talk about gifts that we get. We're going to talk about ball games, scores, and who, who won, who didn't win. We're going to talk about a lot of things. But do we talk about Jesus Christ? Verse 18. Then they called in, in again and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. So if we were commanded not to speak in the name of Jesus, what would we do? Right. We have missionaries on the field that put their lives in danger every single day that they minister and witness to someone. They go into countries that they're not allowed to even go in, that we're not even supposed to know where they are to proclaim Jesus Christ. So they're putting their life and their family's lives in danger Sometimes we're afraid to even speak in his name at work or in our homes. They had a choice. So what were they going to do? Were they going to speak or not? Verse 19. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him, you be the judges. Aren't you thankful that they chose to speak, that they chose to keep on telling? They had a choice to preach, and they chose. What do we choose? Verse 20, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And this is the vocal scripture for our WME watchword this year. Um, and it's a story. We're talking about a story. What story are we talking about? Peter and John had a story to tell. What was their story? It's the story of Jesus' birth, his ministry, his miracles and signs, his forgiveness, his salvation, his death, his burial, and resurrection. And that Jesus Christ is alive and at work in the church by the Holy Spirit. And he is still alive and working in the church today. It's a story of forgiveness, truth, grace, mercy, salvation. They had a story to tell of their call. They left their nets to follow Jesus. A story of what they witnessed while they were with Jesus. From Acts to Revelation, the story that they saw and heard lives on. What about us? What is our story of Jesus' call of faith in him? What is our story of leaving our nets to follow him, and what is our story to tell? This morning, I have three stories that I want to share with you about. And the first one is Annie Armstrong. And I do want to just read a few things about Annie's life. It says, Annie believed in Christ with all her heart. She was filled with conviction that more and could should be done in the efforts to help missionaries and be involved in mission opportunities. She wrote almost 18,000 letters. I don't know about y'all, but I don't even do good with cards. I mean, I'm not a card person. You know, I love to get them, but I just don't take the time to do them. So can you imagine 18,000 letters? 
Annie never hesitated to use her hand to reach out to hug a child or distribute food and clothing and the word of God to those in need. She was a woman of prayer and prayed for the missionaries and for those that they were helping discover Christ. Annie rallied churches to give more and pray more and do more for reaching people for Christ. Annie Armstrong led women to unite in mission endeavors that ultimately led to the formation of the Women's Missionary Union. Her story lives on today. The second story I want to tell you about is most of us don't know this woman. Her name is Maud Tobias Gailey, and she died in 2004. I contacted her. I did not know how to get a hold of her son. I had heard of this woman my whole life. I have never met her, or if I did meet her, it was a long time ago. And I contacted her son. I just went to, the, to Sumter um, County, because he used to work with Sumter County. So I just went to the website. I thought, okay, this internet can do anything. I can find this man. So I was able to find him, and I told him what was going to happen this morning, what, what I was going to do. And it just thrilled his heart for me to share about his mother. He sent these two pictures, and he also sent me some information. And I want to share that information with you this morning. <clears throat> she said, or Talmadge said, he said, We lived on Kendrick and Levi Street in Sumter, South Carolina. My family ran a neighborhood grocery store until my father's unexpected death. We did not have the luxury things in life, but were happy and did not know the difference. When the Browns moved in to Le Levi Street, William was my age and a number of the neighborhood boys played together. We listened to Sky King on the radio, young people, because there was no TV. We would fight in the mornings and be best friends in the afternoon. His mother, she, taught preschoolers in Sunday school. She raised many people and were all welcome in her home. She had a love for the Lord and put his love into action. My mother somehow told Mrs. Brown to have the kids ready for church on Sunday morning, and it was like family going to church. She was the kind of lady that would not take no for an answer. So Miss Brown did not have, she couldn't even say no, because this lady would not take no for an answer. Also, Talmadge said that his mother thought the Brown boys were hers. She was proud of all the boys, but Herbert, choosing the ministry, was a star in her crown. She also has a granddaughter that has answered the call of ministry in her life. She befriended a single mom and three boys. She invited them to go to church with her, and she took this family to Jesus. Her story lives on through our pastor. Herbert accepted Christ as his Savior. Isn't he handsome? <laughs> I had to say that because I'm about to cry. He answered God's call in his life to become a pastor, our pastor. He teaches and preaches God's truth, and he lives that truth. His life lives on. Isn't that a nice-looking group? Through each of us, as he ministers to us, witnesses to us, prays for us, loves us, forgives us. As he shares his life with us through happy times and sad times, Herbert's love of Christ and his obedience to God's call in his life lives on in each one of us. His story is the story of Jesus, the story of forgiveness, truth, grace, and mercy. The story of salvation. Y'all are a nice-looking bunch of people. <laughs> okay, the third story <clears throat> that I want to share this morning is my story. 
I was nine years old when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And my GA leader is the one that led me to Christ. I guess that's why missions is so important to me in the missions organizations. She had something different. She was so sweet and so kind to all of us little girls. And sometimes we were just kind of bratty, you know. But she just loved us. And I wanted what she had. As an adult, God is still teaching me about his love and his commandment to tell others of his love, forgiveness, and salvation. I'm not going to share the last 50 years with you this morning. But I do want to share what God has taught me over the last three years. In October 2009, I was asked to pray about speaking at a church in February of 2010. As I shared this with Herbert, I asked him to pray. As we both prayed, I felt led to speak. I had no idea what God was going to teach me. But he knew. God knew in October, before October, what I needed to have in February. The focus scripture for that, in that theme for Sunday was Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 39, and the, the theme was called to love. In the scriptures, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I want to just share just briefly what we talked about that morning so that you'll understand where we're going. Um, what does called to love mean to Christians? We're to love those that are easy to love. We all have people that are easy to love in our lives, people that love us back. They're easy to love, aren't they? People that are kind to us, people that are gentle to us. Um, Those are people easy to love, your friends. Those who are hard to love, some of those that are hard to love are people that mistreat you, people that talk about you, people that always put you down, people that will not forgive you or give you a second chance. For each of us, there's somebody that it's hard to love. Sometimes it is your family, you know, that it's hard to love. And sometimes we're to lo- we're, we are to love, I'd always love those that are unlovable. And some examples of people that are unlovable, it depends on who you are. Maybe it's somebody with pink hair. I work at PCC, and we have a cosmetology program. It's not unusual for us to see pink or blue-green hair. I mean, you know, that's, it's just not unusual. Um, somebody have a lot of body piercings, maybe we shy away from them. If there's someone that has a lot of tattoos, maybe we shy away from them. If someone's in the Hell's Angels organization, maybe we shy away from them. But you know what? These are people that we're supposed to love. Whether they're in a gang, whether they're an alcoholic, an addiction, whatever, these we're supposed to. And I shared that morning that all of these things, you know, in 50 years, what's it going to matter? What's it going to matter if your hair is blue or pink or green? Moms, what's it going to matter if the guys have earrings? In 50 years, what's it going to matter? It's not. It, not, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. There's only one thing in life that matters, and that is where somebody spends eternity. So can I overlook my barriers? Can I cross those barriers to reach out to somebody and to minister to them and to tell them that Jesus Christ loves them? That's the only thing that matters. If someone doesn't like you today, if somebody doesn't like me this morning, it doesn't matter. Because you know what? I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. And the only thing I need to worry about is where you're going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. So don't let things get in the way of us ministering and witnessing to people. Because ladies and gentlemen and and young children, there is a heaven and a hell. And when we die, there will be a choice that we have to make. There will be a choice. We'll either go to heaven or we'll go to hell. And it's our responsibility to witness to people so that they don't go to hell. Because that's not what God wants. 
God loves all of us. He wants us to be with him in eternity. The categories for each of us are different. We have different backgrounds, and that causes us to look at people differently. The barriers that I've had to overcome may not be the barriers that you have to overcome. Some barriers are, for, for any of us, could be, these are just a few. They could be social standing. They could be race. They could be language. They could be lifestyle. They could be different religion. Anyone that's different from us. But God has called each of us to love, and we're to love everyone that God puts in our path. The greatest love was when Jesus suffered, died, and rose again for mankind so that we may have forgiveness of our sins and salvation. His love didn't stop there. The grave could not hold him. He rose again. And now he is with God the Father and waiting for all to come to know him as their personal Lord and Savior. He is waiting for each one of us. He is waiting. And it's not just eternity. It's now. He wants that relationship with us now. So how can we love people that are different from us? We have to show them through our actions and our attitudes. And that's hard sometimes. But as Christians, we're responsible to tell people about God's love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, and salvation. So how can we do this? We can see with Jesus' eyes. We can listen with Jesus' ears. We can touch with Jesus' hands. We can think with Jesus' mind. And we can feel with Jesus' heart. Is this easy? No. It's not. But the more we develop a relationship with him, it will become easier for us to see, listen, touch, think, and feel his way, not ours. I've shared all that with you this morning just to, to, so that you would know what happens next and why this is part of my story. You see, I spoke on February the 21st. All right, February the 24th, 2010, our oldest daughter, Rebecca, called us and told us that she was pregnant. In my spirit, and y'all, Satan, Satan's alive. He is. And in my spirit, I could hear him just laughing and saying, oh, what you going to do now? What, just three days ago, I talked about loving unconditionally that we were supposed to love unconditionally, it didn't matter what. God knew I needed that scripture. God knew that deep down in my heart that I didn't love unconditionally like I thought I was loving unconditionally. I really thought I did. I could reach out and love on y'all, love on y'all's children. It didn't matter. But when it come to my own family, I couldn't love unconditionally. I expected more. And I resented it if I didn't get more. So when Satan said, what are you going to do now? Hmm. Well, at that point, I had a choice. I could love God as God loved me or not. I could walk beside Rebecca or not. I could lift her, the father, and the baby up in prayer or not. I could love all unconditionally, showing God's tender grace and mercy or not. It doesn't matter what sins you've committed. It doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter what color your hair is. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what your height is. It doesn't matter what your weight is. The only thing that matters is where one spends eternity. That is the only thing that matters. Were the days ahead easy? No. One morning, Herbert and I were talking, and he said, why us? And I looked at him. Usually, he's the one that comes and gives all the good advice. I just have to kind of listen. 
But I looked at him and said, why not? You have preached love and truth your whole ministry. Now we need to let our congregation see us walk the talk. God always kept one of us up so that we could help the other through this situation. And the prayers from many of you carried us a lot of days. I had a family talk to me and say, is it worth losing your daughter over? (coughs) No, it wasn't. It wasn't. God knew what he was doing and what barriers I needed to have removed from my life. You see, God has given me a second chance. God has given me a second opportunity to love my girls unconditionally and to love everyone else unconditionally like he loves me unconditionally. And God's tender grace and mercy gave us Ella to love unconditionally. God knew what he was doing when he brought this baby to our family. Because this baby has brought so much joy to our lives. She has healed our family in a lot of ways. She's healed the girls. She's healed relationships. She's just taken so much past hurt. And I tell people part of my testimony is the hurt that we had through the teenage years. This little baby, God has used to take a lot of that away. We don't even think about it anymore. We know it's there, but we don't think about it. Ella has been and is a gift from God. We didn't deserve it. But through his mercy and his grace, he has given this gift to us and a second chance for me to learn to love totally, unconditionally. Whose life will my story live on in? I don't know, but God knows. So you see, we may not know our story, how our story will impact those around us, But we need to be bold in sharing who Jesus is and what he has done and what he's doing in our lives. We need to bring whoever God puts into our path to Jesus. And that's the main thing. A lot of times we'll say, well, I'm going to invite him to church. Let's invite him to Jesus. Because we're going to come to church and we're going to find Jesus. So what is your story? Will you share your story? What opportunities do we have to share our story? There's a lot of ways that we can share our stories. We can share our stories through the WMU organizations. When we come together as Christians, we're able to help each other, to raise each other up, take each other to Jesus, pray for each other. So this is an opportunity. This is a way that we can share our story through Sunday school. A lot of the Sunday school classes become very close-knit, and this is a way that we can share our story with each other. Through our Bible studies, through mission opportunities, there are a lot of mission opportunities. There are mission opportunities throughout the year, not only through the WMU, but through the missions and outreach organizations of our church. How can we share? We can share through when we go to outreach. We can share when God sends us to talk to someone, and we can share through our lives. This is y'all's turn. So what? First time I heard that in a sermon, I thought, oh, what are those people doing to the preacher? <laughs> but it was so neat. It was so neat. I know many of you are saying, well, you know what? I'm not a missionary. I'm not Maud Tobias Gailey. I'm not a pastor. So what is all this going to mean for me? So how can I apply this to my life? So how can we apply it to our life? 
First of all, we need to realize, and we need to know without a shadow of a doubt, that there is only way to salvation, and that's Jesus Christ. We need to be willing to speak out for the Lord with courage and boldness whenever you have an opportunity. We need to bloom where you are planted. So whatever family God has put you in, you're there for a purpose. Wherever you're working, God has put you there for a purpose. So we need to bloom for that purpose. We need to share who Jesus Christ is. In October of 2012, I heard um, Angela Thomas speak, and she said that we're given only one life. And I thought this was just so neat. She said, we must live it to the fullest. We must live it to the Lord. And we must keep walking to what God has assigned each of us to do. So what God's assigned each of us to do is different. Each of us have different responsibilities and things that we need to do. So our challenge this morning is to have the courage to witness. The courage in a position. And what does that mean? You know what? If you're saved, you belong to the king. So your position is in Jesus Christ. You have a story to tell that begins when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Next one. Will you tell your story? Will you be bold like Peter and John and tell what Christ has done in your life? When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, that's not the end of our story. That's just the beginning. That is just the beginning. We can share whatever takes place in our lives through different seasons of our life. Will I invest in someone's life? Will you invest in someone's life? I challenge each of us to share our story with someone, whether it's today, this week, this month, or this year. And I hope we don't wait for a whole year because everyone sitting in, this pew, in these pews this morning has a story. They have a story to tell, and we need to be telling that story. <clears throat> if you don't have a story to tell, then hear what Jesus is saying to you in 1 John 1, 9, Romans 3, 23, and Romans 6, 23. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have a choice. If you have not made that choice yet, you do have a choice. Will you make the choice to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and start telling his story of salvation in your life? Whose life will your story live on through? Whose life can you be an ordinary missionary to? An ordinary woman, an ordinary boy or girl, an ordinary man. Who can you be an ordinary person to? Thank you.